0: This evening's reading comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord. Hi everyone, it's so good to be with you this evening. For those of you who haven't come across me yet, my name is James and I'm one of the new curates here at Christchurch Winchester. I moved to Winchester a couple of months ago with my wife and we now have two children. One is nearly two years old and the other is just four weeks old. And if you have kids or younger siblings or you have nieces or nephews or children that you look after as part of a job or children you babysit for, you'll probably agree that kids can be pretty hilarious. They can sometimes try the patience of an actual saint, but at the same time, they are bundles of energy and curiosity and they have the ability to make you laugh until you cry tears of joy. I came across a social media post a short while ago where a school teacher in the United States had collected some pretty epic quotes from some of the children that she had taught over the years and I wanted to share some of them with you now as, um, as they made me laugh hopefully they'll make you laugh too. One child who was six years old once said I'm not insulting you I'm describing you might use that one <laughs> another six-year-old once said I can't show you how much I missed you because my hands are too small. Isn't that so sweet? (laughs) One seven-year-old said, I'm not mad, I'm just hungry and I hate you. And we've all been there, am I right? Maybe one that I can particularly relate to is this quote from a four-year-old who said, I can't be quiet, my mouth gets itchy when it has words in it. Children have razor-sharp memories. They can be hilarious, totally unpredictable and utterly exhausting. Uh, Maybe you even like that as a child. And yet, in the verses that we've been looking at, Jesus draws for us this parallel. That we should be more like children and less like the grown-ups we are or think we are when it comes to our trust, our attitude and our faith in him. I want to suggest three ways in which we can do this. We need to be more like children in our faith and know our ABC. Uh, So that stands for acceptance, be an example and check our attitude. Acceptance, be an example and check our attitude. Now you might be forgiven for thinking, yeah, but I, I do that anyway in my life. To everyone, I'm a good person. I accept people for who they are. I am an example to some people. How does this speak to me? Well let's start with acceptance. Acceptance both in the sense of approval and validation as well as welcome and affirmation. You know throughout his life and ministry Jesus got under people's skin because he spent time with the people that others thought weren't worth spending time with. He even ate food with them which was a big no-no. Jesus was challenging the notion that because the society of the day said that certain groups of people weren't worthy, then they weren't worthy. You can still accept someone and at the same time disagree with the negative or damaging choices they're making. In his book, Don't Make History Change the Future, Matt Summerfield says this. He said, Jesus understands the difference between acceptance and agreement. You may disagree with the way someone is living their life or the decisions that they're making, but you can still accept them, you can still love them. Love and acceptance build trust and this is what earns you the right to challenge someone. Children in particular need nurturing, guiding, and constant reassurance that they are loved. The Psalms, for example, tell us that each and every one of us is more than enough. Psalm 139 tells us that God made us and the thoughts that he has about us outnumber the grains of sand. Jesus doesn't just politely approve of those around him. He welcomes them with open arms, literally. Any notion that we might have about children not being as important or presentable as adults Is dispelled here when Jesus tells his disciples the kingdom of God belongs to those who have a trusting and uninhibited way of looking at the world in the way that children do. Jesus encourages us to listen to children and to accept them in a way that moves beyond simple lip service acceptance to acceptance in action. You may have heard it said that love is not just a feeling, it's an action. Well, acceptance is a form of love and respect, so it should be played out in our day-to-day behaviour and in our day-to-day relationships. The American pastor and author Rick Warren, who I have to confess is a bit of a hero of mine, said this about relationships. He said, the essence of relationships is not what we do for each other or what we give to each other. The essence of relationships is how much of ourselves we give to each other. So how much of yourself, your wisdom, your resources, your time, are you willing to give to those you're in relationship with or could be in relationship with? Let's be people who are known for recognising the value of others in practical ways, particularly and especially those in society that say, They're not worth giving the time of day to, including those who aren't yet grown up enough, perhaps. So A is acceptance. Our B is be an example. Someone once asked the theologian, humanitarian and philosopher Albert Schweitzer how children learn. He replied three ways, by example, by example and by example. You know, I think it's true that children read our lives and not our lectures. That's not to say that we mustn't ever give verbal instruction, as that would inevitably lead to total chaos. And no one would ever volunteer for the kids teams in any church, anywhere in the world. But our lives and how we live them speak volumes to those who are searching for a compass to steer them. And I'd suggest that there are a large number of us looking to make sense of the world we're living in right now. Some may even be looking to you to help them find it. Maybe that's a bit of a scary thought. The American past and author, Rick Warren, who I've already confessed is a bit of a hero of mine, so forgive me a second quote from him, said this about being an example. He said, the most effective way to let other people know about the great things that God can do in their lives is to tell them the story of what God has done in your life that's what makes a difference. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. When I hear the word witness, I think of a courtroom. It's a perfect picture of what God's asking us to do to make a difference in the world. He doesn't tell us to be the attorney arguing the case. He doesn't tell us to be the judge judging other people. He wants us to be his witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness just says, here's what I've seen, here's what I heard. A witness just tells other people the story of what God's done in their life. When was the last time you thought about and reflected on what God is doing in your life? Sometimes we can get so caught up in our own circumstances and our stuff that we miss God doing extraordinary things in us and through us. I wonder too, what could God want to be doing in your life if you chose to let him? Do you want to know a great way to do that? Be still, just be still. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Why not be still? Get somewhere where you can shut out the noise and distractions of life and just listen to your father in heaven because he wants to talk to you. I quite like talking to God, but sometimes I think I talk so much, I don't think I make the time to listen. When we get to know God better, we can see and experience his love for us more keenly. And then out of that flows our ability to tell the story of God in our lives and be examples to those whom God places in our path. So we offer acceptance. We should be an example. And finally, we check our attitude. In these verses it's pretty clear that Jesus is teaching us that attitude and warmth are so important in dealing with children. The disciples send them away possibly because they didn't consider children to be that important to Jesus or because they considered the adults needs more important or maybe the kids were just making a load of noise and it had been a long day and there was too many of them and they just thought you know what we're done with these screaming kids they will just need to do one. Whatever the reason Jesus uses their attitude to give us a timely reminder about ours that children are important, like really important. Perhaps the disciples thought, well, I don't know, children, children can't come through into the kingdom until they're grown-ups. And Jesus says, well, grown-ups can't come into the kingdom until they become like children. It's about the example that we set. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a generation of church that embraces and invests in and champions our children and young people. There's work to do though. A Church of England survey of 11,700 churches in 2011 found that 48% had fewer than five under-16s. In 2014, a survey of 600 churches found that there were six adults in church to every one child or young person. YouGov found in 2014 that 34% of 15-year-olds haven't read, seen or heard the nativity story. According to research by the Evangelical Alliance in 2012, 72% of people had come to faith before they were 20 years old. The Christian organisation Scripture Union have found that 95% of children and young people have no connection at all to church and for that to change from 95 to 94% they estimate that 187,000 children and young people would need to connect to church. I think that shows that we all have our part to play whether we're part of a church that boasts a healthy number of children and young people or not. We all need to be actively involved in bringing this generation of children and young people to Jesus with an attitude that says we are for you, we love you, you are safe here and pretty crucially in a way that makes them feel good about being in church. But if we don't feel good about being in church or at least look like we feel good about being in church then we can't expect anyone else to. Galatians 2 verse 20 says it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his, himself for me. The love of God in Christ Jesus is our biggest motivation to do what he says. In the same way, if children feel like we care about them, that they're important to us, they'll, they'll be motivated to hear what we have to say. So often, though, we ourselves struggle with our faith and trust in God. In contrast to the simple faith and trust that children possess, if I was to offer my nearly two year old a gift, she would take it from me, no questions asked, especially if it's chocolate. If I was to offer her her favourite snack, she wouldn't say, Oh, I, I don't believe in that snack. A child wouldn't say, What's the catch? They don't wonder if you might be poisoning them. They don't worry about the lack of nutrition or the fact that it might cause cavities. They don't feel like they have to pay you back. Your child would trust you and instantly receive your gift and enjoy it. And we aren't often that way as adults, are we? We can be too proud or suspicious or sceptical of the other's motives to accept gifts that we're offered. We wonder what the catch is, believing that nothing is completely free. But the gospel is free. It's free because God sent Jesus to this earth to die for us, for every mistake we've ever made and will make. God provided all you will ever need in Jesus because he overcame death and rose again. Jesus welcomes us like he welcomes children and offers us a relationship with him for free. All we need to do is say yes and to receive it in the same way that children receive a gift from their parents. We can't pay God back and he doesn't need us to even offer. We can trust him as our loving father in heaven and receive all the gifts that he has for us through Jesus. The question and the challenge that I want to leave you with this evening is will you accept the gift that is Jesus Christ? Will we be still and receive with open arms the gift that we don't deserve but that is freely given to us? You know, I think once we feel truly able to do that, there's a whole generation out there who don't even know that there is the most precious gift waiting for them, let alone one so extravagant and so generous that it will transform their lives, our nation and our world forever. They just need you and me to bring it to them. Amen.